The interview that you're about to hear today is one of the most inspiring stories I have ever heard probably in my entire life. First off, welcome back everybody to the Random PM Podcast. I hope you're all having an amazing day. And this episode is exciting because not only is it Wednesday, I don't know why that makes it exciting, but this is the first episode of the brand new series, Been Through It. I don't, I was sitting at, you know, y'all know where I like to sit at after school. And one of my pastors walked up and we were talking about my previous life and what has happened in the past few months, actually. And he was like, man, you've been through it. And I was like, yeah, you're right. And he was like, that would be a great podcast series because so many people have been through stuff. So that's what I did. I had my amazing friend, Water Rock. Y'all know him. He made the graphic for me, and here we are. So I believe everybody has a story to tell. And if you do too, I would love to have you on the show. I will leave my email down below. I understand it can be a little bit of a nervous, anxiety-filled experience to tell your story to people. But if you believe it'll help you or you've done it before and you know you can inspire others, feel free to email me. I'll drop my email in the description. But I don't want to give y'all too long of an intro. You know, I like to get right into it. So without further ado, let's get into one of the most inspiring stories me personally, Random PM, has ever heard from Pastor Andrew. So who do we have with us here today? Well, guys, my name is Andrew Troush, student pastor over at Parkway Fellowship at our West Park location. And man, I'm just so pumped to be on here. I'm honored, Devin. Thank you for having me. Of course. So would you consider yourself a breakfast kind of guy? A breakfast kind of guy, yes. Breakfast food, some of my favorite food to have. I got to make sure I, if I don't eat breakfast, I'm eating lunch at like nine o'clock. Okay, so then I have a very important question. Are you, what, what do you prefer? And this question means a lot to me. Pancakes or waffles? Oh, I, I'm going to say waffles, but they have to be crunchy. No. Okay. I, why? I saw, why? Sorry. I had, I had pancakes most recently, but waffles, if they're crunchy, if they're not crunchy, then I'm going pancakes all the way. Pancakes. Now, would you consider French toast to be better than both? Yes. Yes. Really? Yes, absolutely. Like no, no competition. No. And eh, we could kind of talk about it. It's just straight up French toast all the way. 90% of the time, I've had some pretty darn good pancakes in my time of tasting out restaurants that would throw French toast out the window, but nine times out of 10, I'm choosing French toast. So what do you enjoy about being a student pastor? Like, what is your favorite, favorite part of it? Like, what made you like want to do it? And, and like, what is your favorite part of the, of doing it? Man, such a hard question, but an easy question all at the same time. Kind of what, like what got me into it. I honestly didn't have a youth group growing up. I was always just church hopped as a teenager because my home church didn't have a youth group and just got involved in different organizations that really poured into youth. And I that kind of shaped in just how influential some of those adults in my life were because I didn't really have a great father figure present physically present but not all the other present for me and so they really kind of shaped me and then as i was figuring out lord what do you want me to do with my life i had one plan to go to culinary school but then god's like nah bro i got something else for you to go into ministry and i thought it was going to be through some type of parachurch or organization outside the church just because 
quite honestly, I thought church was boring and I didn't know what a youth pastor really did until I did an internship at a large church and it radically transformed uh, my view of the church and a youth pastor. I was like, this is what I want to do with my life. And so, man, what I love about it, I just, I love that I get to just be a part of teenagers' lives and just invest in them, offer encouragement to them, be there for them uh, in the, their high moments and in their low moments. And also, one of my, I love just teaching them the word of God too. One of the things I really, really enjoy as well. And so just a well-rounded and then seeing students like a light bulb go off of all those times pouring in truth in the midst of what it is. And then seeing that light bulb go off of like, aha, I got it now. Man, that's amazing to hear. I can tell. I think I think you're doing an amazing job. But I have one kind of one more light little question and then we're going to get into the main thing. Okay. Which is you. How do you feel? Are you a, first of all, are you a coffee kind of kind of person? Yes, I probably drink more coffee than I do water, which I'm not that saying that's a good thing, but I do. So are we talking, are you more of an ice type of a coffee person or do you like it like hot, um, like boiling hot? All right. So yeah, it's a great question. It's either got to be boiling hot or ice cold, no in between and keep it black, please. Wait, 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 wait. Did you just say keep it black? Keep it black, like just straight black coffee. When did you realize that you liked the nasty coffee that way? Like, was it like you tried sugar, you tried cream, and none of that worked for you, or you just never decided to do it? It was a gradual process. It was like it became an acquired taste because when I was in college, I I was not good with my time management, so I was always up late doing homework, and I was drinking all these energy drinks and soda caffeine is like well this ain't good for me and so i'm gonna switch to coffee i tried black coffee and it was disgusting and so i started with lots of cream and sugar and then i was like man this is good but also can't be just putting all the cream and sugar so i slowly weaned myself off of cream and sugar to the point of i prefer good black coffee and I don't remember the last time I put cream and sugar in a coffee unless I ordered like a latte or something from Starbucks. <laughs> You've done something incredible because I tried, I was going to do a 30 day black coffee challenge and I quit on day three. I just, oh man, I couldn't, I couldn't wrap my head around the What coffee that. did you try? Because there's bad black coffee. So then it must have been, well, so my mom, she bought the, the Dunkin', so that we had the Dunkin' Donuts original, original blend. Uh -huh. And then we had black. It was from the, is it Folgers? I don't remember. It Folgers. I mean, that's your generic coffee. No wonder you gave up day three. No wonder. Wait, then what? Put me on some good coffee. Then what coffee so should I be if doing? If you're trying to wean yourself. Now, I'll drink Folgers black. Like, I, I do it on a daily basis here at the office. But I like to treat myself. Sometimes you can get flavored coffee without the cream and sugar. So, like, in my little desk drawer right here, I got, like, a K-cup. It's from Donut Shop. But... It's nutty and caramel flavored. So it's black coffee infused with nutty and caramel flavor that you might be able to achieve your black coffee challenge and that help you with that weaning process. Okay, so you've motivated me. I'll try it. I'll try it again. Right, let me and know how and it I'll document the series. <laughs> so the name of this new mini series is called Been Through It, where we're talking about people's stories and their hardship, hardships and what they've been through and how they overcome it. So tell us a little bit more 
about you and your beginnings and what like what if like you've been you you've been through it. So what have you been through? Mm-hmm. Let's start with the beginning. Well, first off, I mean, just thank you for having a conversation because I'm a firm believer of hearing people's stories and sharing people's stories because somebody else is probably sitting out there and nobody understands. But in reality, there's somebody else is going through a similar story and it can be encouraging to them for that. But kind of my been through, obviously, there's been different seasons in my life where, man, it feels like I've been through it. But one of the most monumental moments in my life, and and I've shared this many times before, even in messages and and stuff, was was actually back in college. So I, I grew up in a Christian home. I mean, church every Sunday, every Wednesday. Gave my life to Christ at the young age of four or five years old in my living room and kind of just just living my faith, living, living my life at a Christian home. For that, about 15 years old, I was at a retreat re- re- weekend, a spiritual retreat weekend, and really felt the Lord saying, you need to live your life for me, not your parents' faith. Just because I was doing every, whatever my parents said, go, this is what the Lord's word says, and there wasn't like searching for it for myself, per se. And so I recommitted my life to Christ at 15 years old uh, there and then got baptized shortly after that. And that's when God, I felt God called me into ministry. I wanted to, I originally was planning to go to culinary school, be a chef, have my own restaurant, all that stuff. But God had other plans and I'm grateful for that. And so I, that shifted careers. I went off to college where I was studying ministry and I was pursuing a degree in youth ministry and a degree in recreation and sports ministry just because the passions of mine for that. And my freshman year was brutal. And I I was homeschooled. I grew up homeschooled through that. And I think that was my first time away from my parents' shelter and protection. Not to say anything against, I'm super grateful that for all the things that they did protect me from, but I was experiencing a lot of different freedom for the first time. And I didn't know who I was which had me getting in different for like, I was one person, my ministry classmates. I was another person with the guys on the baseball team. I was another person with those. And that was exhausting. I I thought I was doing a great job of it until it became exhausting (laughs) and crash, crashing and burning. And then I carried that into sophomore year college and ended up getting in a relationship that moved very, very fast. And we we made made some decisions that shouldn't shouldn't have made in that in that relationship. But there we ended up actually getting engaged right at the end of my sophomore year. It all blends together. But right there in the middle of college, ended up getting engaged. And again, I'm still living the multiple different lives at the this moment. And I look back now, that relationship covered me so many different toxic things, but I ended up finding out that she was sleeping with my best friend from my childhood. And as you can expect, the world turned upside down, right? And so I remember I obviously finding it out, hearing from her and all that stuff. And I'm there in my college dorm room, like bawling my eyes out. As anybody would, I'd be there yeah. crying, got the snot everywhere, the tissues. I would have been. Yeah, literally all of it. Yeah, I mean, you, exactly. You described it. And that threw me into a really dark place, a dark place of 
just trying to numb the pain with alcohol to fill, fall back into a, a addiction, very heavy addiction to pornography, messing around. Just cause I was just so lost. I was such a, in a dark place. I was hurt and betrayed by what one, my childhood best friend, and two, the person who I was planning to spend the rest of my life with at that moment. So I, it, it was a very dark moment for about two, two to three months there but then i i remember it was in the midst of that darkness that again in my college dorm room floor just pouring my heart out to god i was like god i'm so lost i was like i can't do this anymore i don't know what to do like literally all these things i had people tell because they were watching some of the decisions i was making not really saying the greatest encouraging things in the moment to me. And so I was just so broken. I had my Bible open. You probably find the tear marks and some of the passages. Uh, <laughs> I still got the Bible with me. And I really, I, for the very first time in my life, heard the audible voice of God speak to me and saying, Andrew, this is not the life that you want to live. This is not the life that I have set out for you. I have so much or surrender to me. Uh, and so in that moment, in my deepest, darkest place, I just poured out it all to God. I yelled at him. I was angry. I like, said these things, said everything that I was feeling in that moment, but also then like, Lord, it's yours. I'm done. I can't, I fully hundred percent solely committed to you. I'm done living this life. Uh, the way it is, use me whatever way that you want me. And I, I, and obviously there was from that moment on there, there's lots of healing that needed to take place, dealing with some shame and hurt and guilt and getting some help through that. But I look back at that moment in my life as the launching pad to who I am as a man and as a Christ follower today, that. It was like by that moment, really launched me into my discipleship, to my discipline, to serving the Lord and kind of realize all that thing is of the world is not worth it. Sin's not worth it to live for him. Man, that that is deep. So then what would you say? So you were leading the the many different versions of you to a to fit in with the crowd you were at and then who you were engaged with at the time did what they did. And so that led you into the different addictions you had. So what would you say to somebody? Cause I'm sure there's somebody right now who was addicted to the same things you were, who may not have been through the exact same scenario, but felt the same amount of pain you do, but they didn't, what would you tell them to do first? Because sometimes, I mean, it was amazing how, God was calling out to you and saying, Hey, I have you and all that. So what, how would you, if someone came up to you and they were like, pastor Andrew, I'm going through those exact things. How would you, what would be your first step in helping them, helping them not only find God, but helping them get rid of these addictions that we know that they don't want? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I first tell them, well, they took the first step. Because what I when I learned in my moment, I pulled myself away from everybody and everything. 
I kind of secluded myself, which is the last thing you want to do when you're in a moment of deep despair, because whose voice is going to be the loudest when you're alone and sheltered? It's going to be the devil's um, in that moment of casting shame and all of that. And so I would tell somebody, well, first encourage them for, hey, thank you for telling me because I didn't tell anybody. I just allowed myself just to dig myself deeper and deeper in a hole and didn't want to talk about it uh, for that. So they were doing the right thing right then and there is coming, telling me, whoever it was, but then keep, find, get accountability. Who's your community and spend all the time you can with them. Like if they were in my student ministry, I was like, Hey, are you in a small, if they're, are you in a small group? If not, all right, we're getting you in a small group. I'm connecting you to the leader and they're going to do this life with you. I'm going to do it with you. We're going to do this life together because then they can encourage you. They can pick you up when you fall. They can keep you accountable. If they see you slipping into these places, they can call you out. I didn't have that. I, I chose not to have that. And I think if I looked back in my back in my life, if I, put myself in a place of good Christian community instead of sheltering myself, I may have saved myself from a little bit more heartache in that time of not falling into some of those things. And so community is important. Accountability is important. You can't just, you can't, it can't just be you and God dealing with it. I think that's a lie that a lot of us Christians believe that it's, when we're going through through some stuff that uh, we're just going to keep it between me and God, like in those moments through that battling and wrestling through it. No, we need community. It's biblical to be there for each other. Iron sharpens iron. It's, that's in the Bible to literally, and God uses those people to do his work, to build you up, to encourage you, to pick you up there when you fall down, because you're going to fall down. That's the reality of life, the reality of the sinful, broken world. I fell down many times in my healing and journey process. But when I realized, man, I need to be vulnerable, I need to be held accountable, I need to be this, that's when I was able to get back up again. That, man, that is inspiring. And there's a would you rather out there, and they usually say, would you rather take a million dollars now, or would you rather go back to your 10-year-old self knowing everything you know? And this ties into the next question. Uh-huh. Do you think if you had the chance to go back, do you think you would go back and change anything? And I'm not saying that you deserved anything that happened to you. I feel like I don't even, I'm so sorry that happened to you. But do you feel like you needed to go through the events that occurred so that God could come and find you? Or would you go back and knowing what you know now, if you were able to go back, would you try to prevent the addictions and try to prevent what happened with, um, with you, who you were engaged with? Or would you let those events occur because it, it molded you into who you are today? I'm very curious. It's, it's funny you say that. I think I saw memes scrolling on social media today. Do you want the red pill or the blue pill? Is that question? $10 million or go back when you were six? No, everything. <laughs> that's you know exactly now. what I based it on. Uh, so I just saw that, but I, that's an easy question. I would, I would not go back. I, I am who I am today because of the life that I've lived and the God that's walked through it with me. And I think there are a lot for a lot of us, we need to have some big wake up calls 
that I look back at those times, God was calling out to me so many different times. I was just too stuck in the world to give a care, to give a listen to it. And so it took me hitting rock bottom to actually open up my ears and my heart to hear God, uh, to see him. And I, and that has shaped me and made me aware of things even now, later on into adulthood, I'm 30 years old now, and I'm still learning those things, but I look back on moments like that in my life. And there's been other been through it moments that have shaped me that have protected me from future possible moments in my life because of what I learned in those moments. Right. So this next question may be a little touchy, but I feel like it needs to be asked and you can choose to answer it or not. But I'm not saying that addictions are embarrassing. However, a pornography addiction is one that somebody may have trouble coming out and and talking about it because they feel embarrassed or they're nervous about what people are going to think about them or they're a nasty, dirty person. What would you say to those individuals listening right now to maybe help them overcome that fear or that overcome that anxiety, that embarrassment? What would you advise that they do? Because I know, I mean, people don't want to come on and be like, oh, yeah, well, guess what I was watching? So what would you tell those certain individuals to maybe help them overcome that? Yeah, first off, I tell them, hey, 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 I hear you. I, I understand that exact, that, that exact feeling, which is why I think I wrestled with that addiction for a majority of my life, all the way from 12 to 25 years old, which is a long time to be wrestling that addiction. And all up until 25 years old, nobody knew that addiction. Because you're right, there's the shame uh, that that is a part of it, the embarrassment that's a part of it. Because if you have any type of conscience, you feel dirty, right? You feel like I, I shouldn't be doing this, but I am. Enjoy it because sometimes sin is enjoyable because that's what the devil wants us to feel. But it's a temporary thing and it's not worth it. It's only causing death. And so the thing that uh, really helped me overcome the, addic the addiction is bringing it to light. And I, rem I remember, and, I, and like I was saying before, like it can't just be you and God going back and forth because I knew, like there's been many times, like God, like I need you to help me with this. I know it's wrong. I want to grow closer to you. But it was still a war fought in the secret right? The secret is just me and God, knowing that there's some wars that can't be fought in the secret. It's got to be fought in the, uh, out in the open. And I think what that's one of those wars that you have to fight out in the open because the only way to stop it is through accountability and bringing it to light. And so I remember I was actually, uh, and I, I was in the space of this constant wrestle. I was doing really good, and then I just fell off again. I was doing really good, and just fell off again. But nobody knew. It was just this internal, spiritual, sinful battle that was going on. I was remember I was 20, 24, almost 25. I was preparing to go spend a year in the mission field. And we had this training camp. And they one of the speakers like, hey, that y'all are about to walk into the battlefield where like you're living your life this year sun up sun down all night long like to serve 
And the devil's going to use whatever he can to break you down, tear you apart, get in the way of all that the Lord has for you. And there's some of you that need to confess sin, whether that's making phone calls, bringing things to light to work through now so you can walk in all that God has for you. And is and they're like, if that's you, you stand up and your mentor that they had they had for us is going to come up to you and pray over you and you tell them what it was. And without even thinking about it, it was almost like a Holy Spirit moment. I just stood up. I knew exactly what I had to do in that moment. And so I my leader, he came over to me and I for the first time in my life. I audibly said I was addicted to pornography. And when I said those things, like actually audibly said that, there was this weight lifted off my shoulders that I didn't know that I was feeling and carrying with me. It was almost a freedom. Somebody knows. And yeah, sure, there's embarrassment with that, but there was a freeness to it. I'm not dealing with, I'm not in this darkness anymore alone. And so they prayed over me, just pray a prayer that's like, hey, I'm going to keep you accountable in this. We're going to put some guidelines in place to help you with this. And he prayed over this prayer over me. And part one of the part of the prayer was I just see Andrew as this sword cutting down the arrows that the devil is shooting at him in this realm of addiction. And later on that evening in the same session, uh, one of my friends who was not a part of that conversation at all, not a part of that prayer at all, prayed over me and literally said almost the exact same thing about the sword as the other person did in their prayer. And that was just a huge moment to me. It was in that moment that I began to walk in freedom from that addiction and in fully free from it. And I'm so grateful. And I I have a tattoo on my arm to remind me of the freedom that I walk in as a tattoo of a sword in there to to remember because we need to remember. But I was only able to do that by bringing it to light uh, and having people keep me accountable and walking through it until I was able to become free of it. Wow. Not only is your story incredible, but your story is also extremely extremely relatable so i have one final question and that is why do you feel it is important for people to tell their story regardless of what that story might entail yeah no i I, you have to be careful i i do think it's important but your story is not for everybody Or, or sorry let me repeat that every part of your story is not for everybody Yes, shared. There's healing in sharing your story. I found the more times I shared my story, the more healing that I received. And as I was beginning to walk through and process all of those things. And so there's healing in sharing your story. And you never know what how God's going to use it. I know there's been many times that I've shared it. And the person came up to me afterwards and said, man, I felt all alone, like to the point where they were ready just to take their life. But no, seeing and hearing that somebody made through whatever they were feeling gave them hope to make it through. But there's, and I'm sure there's parts of people's stories that I've heard that they're not, those parts aren't for everybody because for whatever reason it, it is for protection 
to not even bring up the past things, but I do believe it's important for everybody to share their story to a degree because uh, God, God's part of our story. He's part of writing what the devil means for evil. He can turn to good. And that's very evident in my life. And he uses stories. He's the master storyteller. He used stories all throughout scripture to help the disciples understand and see what he was talking about. And I know he's used people sharing their stories, their testimonies to encourage me to either make leaps of faith that I needed to, to encourage me to actually confess and, and bring things to light. And so God uses all those stories. And so I encourage people through prayer, through wisdom and guidance, build the courage up to share your story with discretion. Well, first off, I just want to thank you again for coming on and telling that story because I feel like I just know God knows that there's somebody who needs to hear it. And thank you for your time. Thank you for just thank you for coming on and just I don't know how to put it in a way like I just want to thank you for coming on and sharing your story, regardless of what might have been in it, because I know not only did you inspire a bunch of people to maybe come forward with any addictions that they may have, but you also led people closer to God. And so I just want to thank you for that. And uh, however, we need to work on your coffee issue a little bit. <laughs> the black coffee uh, doesn't really uh, work for me, but coffee and Jesus, that's all I need, man. That's all I need <laughs> in there. But no, I, I'm truly thankful and, and honored. You, you've asked me a part of it and sharing my story wasn't all well, always easy. Like it took a while for me to be comfortable with it. And it's there. I mean, there's been many times I still get choked up sometimes, not because of pain or hurt, but of the goodness of God. I was like, wow, that was rough. There's no way I should have made it through it, but God. And so that's a lot of times when I get emotional sharing it sometimes. But my, my prayer is that somebody listening to this, it spoke to them in a way and just encouraged to reach out, reach out, ask for help because you're not meant to do it alone. You're not meant to face the battles of this world alone. Well, Zoom is literally about to kick us off, which I see that Zoom right now. Is. But I appreciate you for, for being on the show. And I will let you know when it's released. And I appreciate you more than you could ever know. And I hope you have an amazing rest of your day. Thank you, Devin. Keep doing the good work, my brother. It was I a will. pleasure. Thank you. All right. Take care. You as well. Man, that was a, such an inspiring story. I mean, yeah. We're going to have to change how he likes his coffee. And did he say waffles? Yeah, y'all heard that right. And he was very wrong. But I'll let it slide. But I hope y'all were able to get something out of that story. And I hope it motivated you to want to tell yours. And again, if you do have one to tell, email me. I would love to have you on. I'd love to listen because that is what it's all about. Telling your story and inspiring others. I appreciate you for listening to the first episode of the new miniseries, Been Through It. Hope you have a great rest of your day. And as always, y'all know the drill. Get with the program and stay random. Thank you so much for listening.